Just a quick reminder before we get into today's show, you can call or text us at 570-POD-WAD-1. That's 570-763-9231 with your ideas for icebreakers, topics, or just general feedback. We'll probably use it in the show, and you'll save us some creative energy, which we greatly appreciate. Find out everything about the show at yallheard.me. Now, on to the episode. Y'all heard? Hey, everybody! everybody. It's Y'all Heard! We are back on it, yes. The show where me, Marissa Phillips... And me, Pete Phillips, we're not related... We're not related. Oops, I forgot. <laughs> um, we, uh, yeah, we sort of uh, come together once a week and we, you know, uh, put a couple of ideas in beakers and then we let them uh, circle You're around disgusting. in that. We let them circle around in that machine. What's it called? An autoclave. We let them circle around in there and mix a little bit. And then we, I don't know, I guess we like take the test tubes out. What do you do with it then? Uh, oh, and then we take a little bit out. We put it under a slide. And then we put the slide on the microscope. And then we look through the microscope and we go, huh, nice. This is the day where I stop being Pete's friend. Also, no one knows what autoclave means. You could have made that up. Anyway, this our, is a show Our science where we tell listeners you, do. Yeah, ew. We tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. I think I'm going to go and judge you with age. Uh, no I one might think that's true. I would never be okay with you saying autoclave <laughs> or putting ideas in beakers, ever. Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I'm not becoming more judgmental with age. You're becoming less, and it's hurting. I'm becoming just less. less Are you saying but... I'm becoming less judgmental or just less? <laughs> You're becoming more open-minded in the way you speak, <laughs> and it's not okay. So, Mm. my icebreaker is, what era do you wish you could live in? Now, mind you, this doesn't apply to you, Mm. but if it did, the the extra point I'm going to add is, you would not have to worry more about your well-being due to your race or skin color. Okay. But that doesn't apply to you. you that that sort of applies to you, yeah. Yeah, oh, for you sure. Finally, go where you want to go. <laughs> yeah. Um. I know that you're not going to be satisfied with the answer of I don't know. I want to live in today. Because I'm not really sure. I will say that I don't love all the technology, even though we're recording a podcast. <laughs> I yeah. don't love the technology of today, so I wouldn't pick today. But I don't know how far back I would go. Okay. Maybe maybe like living my mom's lifetime would be interesting. So that's like 48 to present. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, like I wouldn't want to go as Why? far back as you're going to go. Because like I you love know. plumbing and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just like general things like that. Of course, yeah, like maybe if... I lived in those times, then I wouldn't have a modern diet, and maybe I wouldn't need to rely on plumbing as much. You know what I mean? <laughs> so. I see. Okay. I don't know, but yeah, I, I I'm not too too inclined to go that far back. And of course, I yeah. just I just presumed that the future is off the table. I think they had plumbing. 
of some sort. <laughs> well, depending on where you're going um, and, and when you're going. I would say one of two. I would either want to be in the Victorian era, probably in Europe. Um, but like I said, being brown wouldn't matter in this fantasy. Um, I like that, yeah, less technology and maybe my marriage would be arranged so I wouldn't have to worry about that. That does sound and, nice. <laughs> yeah, just a lot of things would be decided for me, which as such an independent person, most people would think I wouldn't want. But honestly, I'm shackled by my choices and my freedom. We all are. So I've, yeah, so I feel like I'd take that. Um, and the opposite would be the 80s. Because it was an era of excess and gaudiness, and punk rock and goth were in their prime, which yeah, are yeah. very dear to me. So one of those two. I'd rather be a Victorian or like a punk rock new romantic in the 80s, wearing neon shit. I have a very uh, distorted sense of self, so yeah, I have a hard time dropping myself someplace because I don't know who I am. Please! <laughs> Sometimes, man. Sometimes. <laughs> so what's your topic this week? <laughs> okay, my topic, there's no segue. And <laughs> actually, I don't even know what I was hoping to get out of this. All I know is... Our link this week, guys, for our topics is celebrities and ideas that we had that sort of didn't come together. <laughs> yeah. I wanted this to be investigative. I don't know. I follow tabloid decently with that said i don't know how i expected to come across information that i didn't already know which was mostly validated like yeah like most of this i already knew i basically wanted to get more insight on what the hell happened to mary kate and ashley olsen um it's basically mostly what i already knew but assuming you don't follow tabloids and you don't care about them maybe this will bring new information to you because i don't know if you've seen them uh, anytime recently. Have you seen any I pictures did. of yeah, them? I did. Yeah, we recently? just had lunch last week. Have you seen pictures of them, smarty boy? No, no, no. You see Elizabeth Olsen a lot more. Yeah, because she looks less cray. <laughs> um, Mary Carey and Ashley Olsen, let me, let me just get into this, okay? Let yeah. me not jump the gun. So I will first say that I did not like the Olsen twins when they were little. I think children are the ruiners of good television. Um, Full House was Freaking already... Freddie Muniz. Yeah, yeah, there's so many <laughs> children that ruin things. Full House was already, like, on the brink of being a trash show, but, like, Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen really, like, pushed to the limits. <laughs> um, I love that you're like, but what really pushed them over there was the freaking baby, okay? Yeah, like, every time. With their, what did they say? Oh, they had this catchphrase. It was so annoying. With, Do you uh, remember? With Uncle Jesse? Yeah, what was that? I can't remember what it was, but yeah, like, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it was like, bleh, bleh, bleh. like they could barely form words, and they would just puke yeah. out whatever the catchphrase was. Our goal is to figure out if we could remember the catchphrase without looking it up by the end. No. Like, tubular. Yeah, Jesse. like, you too, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. With both okay. fingers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you too, Daddy. Let's not look up whether or not that's right. Anyway, um, I will say, though, I did like a lot of their work in their preteen and teen years. 
You would. Uh, including there are two television shows, both of which only lasted one season, named Two of a Kind and So Little Time. Both of these were light teen comedies. So that Little were Time on, is a very ironic title. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know what? I think about these shows, and I thought they were seasons long. I love these shows so much, like, it never <laughs> occurred to me that they were both canceled after one season. Uh, they were both comedies on ABC Family. Uh, fun fact, which I think would sting a little, Mary-Kate won a Daytime Emmy for her performance in So Little Time, but Ashley did not. Um, <laughs> when you fast forward through the Was years, she nominated? Back, that I don't know. Can I, I look that up? You. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I feel like their catchphrase like was with like a baby lisp. Like, oh, it was definitely. That's what made it cute. Yeah. You're so incredible, Daddy. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. but like... <laughs> Like, rev that hot rod. <laughs> but, like, with the okay. baby voice, like, web that hot wad. Web that hot wad, daddy. Okay. Anyway. Whatever it was, daddy was clearly at the end of it. <laughs> I don't think it was. Okay. Now, in recent years, the Olsons basically only show up in tabloids to talk about their appearance. They have aged, Whoa. Uh, they're both my age, exactly. We're like a few months apart, so I'm 32. Uh, yes, they both resemble elderly, otherworldly, like, nymphs. Uh, and they look like they're always swaddled in piles of cloth. So I basically wanted to talk about how they went from, like, perky TV darlings to, like, uh, I feel like it's mean to say, but, like, in some pictures... Cribkeeper-esque, distorted, homeless women. So, let's talk about it. By the way, I appreciate them, but they look Oh, you've crazy. made that clear, yeah. <laughs> they look really weird, and I'm scared. Okay. But in, like, a genuine, concerned way. Yes. I just, I would say I, I, I worded it like that for dramatic purposes. I feel a little bit bad. I'm sorry, Mary-Kate and <laughs> Ashley. Okay. So I would say, if I were to speculate, that perhaps it all started in 2004, this transformation, when the Olsons were 18. That's when their first wide... By the way, they've had a lot of films on television and on video. Right. But in 2004 was their first wide-release theatrical film called New York Minute. I remember that. It's Yes. I sadly never saw it, even though I loved them at the time. It starred the two of them and Eugene Levy. Uh, allow me to give the plot synopsis. 17-year-old identical twins Jane and Roxy Ryan are completely mm. different, and they never see eye to eye. They sound different. They, they live with their widowed father. Wow. Seriously? In everything? Uh, <laughs> and they attend the fictional Westland Grove High. Over a 24-hour period, the two begrudgingly journey into the city for Jane an uptight overachiever to deliver a speech to qualify for a prestigious college scholarship and for Roxy, the laid back punk rock rebel to get backstage at a music shoot to give her demo tape to a music group. Yeah. Okay, great. That's fascinating. That sounds like a TV movie, honestly. Yeah. So this team comedy with a kind of really light, lame plot uh, was a box office and critical failure. It got 11% of Rotten Tomatoes, two thumbs down from Siskel and Ebert, and it earned 
5.9 million in its opening week, which 5. is 5.9 million Razzie nominations. <laughs> which is the sixth lowest opening ever for a film playing in over 3,000 theaters. So after that movie, the girls would actually never star in any film or show ever again. And their company, Dual Star Entertainment, which like produced all of their many, many, many um, films and specials, uh, never again produced any sort of like video content. So it was like that shut the doors on yeah. their career as film stars permanently forever. Um, so that was the beginning of the end for like the perky Olsen twins that we began with. And what follows is a roller coaster of events. In 2004, uh, the girls got a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Was Ooh. was was Dude in it? Like what yeah, Dude. <laughs> Their catchphrase. Oh, you got it, dude. <laughs> there you go. That's it. You Gross. you're a dude, Daddy. <laughs> dude. Wait 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 wait. Are we getting closer? It's like a Daddy O maybe. No, we got it. <laughs> it's you got it, dude. There's no daddy in it. <laughs> you think we're still working? Oh, no, we're no, that's actually what it is. Yeah, you okay. got it. You got it, dude. Yeah. I feel victorious. Uh, uh, don't. It's gross. You okay. got it, dude, daddy, daddy. <laughs> you got it. Dude. You got it, dude, daddy. Yeah, that's that. Their catchphrase. You got it, duty, dad. <laughs> and their and their first TV special. You got it, Doody Daddy. <laughs> and okay. then their faces like just turn to that one where you're like, I know that baby's shitting. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that was what they did every episode. Only with Uncle Jesse. <laughs> That's their catchphrase, yeah. So much that it was considered a catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so, back on their timeline. 2004. <laughs> they got a Hollywood, a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Exciting news, especially despite the fact they're not doing anything anymore. While in the same year, Mary-Kate went into rehab for anorexia. Ooh. From there, the girls didn't really do anything that would register on most people's radar. Um, for the next few years, they would basically become really deeply involved in the fashion world and would be, like, pretty quiet in the entertainment front. Um, they frequented fashion shows, and Mary-Kate started getting noticed in tabloids and magazines for what was dubbed her bag lady, homeless, or boho chic look. This is basically where these two girls who were like five feet and incredibly skinny would just wear like huge caftans layered with huge scarves with like huge saggy bags. And it all just looked like in such disarray. They looked like they were like, like, Drowning in their own fabrics. That's what they do. Anyway, in 2006, uh, the girls established their own fashion label called The Row, which still exists. And it's like a, f in the past, they had like a fashion line for like Walmart or something. But this is a, f uh, a luxury fashion label that includes like $800 sandals and weirdly $2,500 purses. I would think shoes would be more expensive than purses, but whatever. That Candace Bergen will paint. For $1, I mean, yeah, I know. For $1,000 more. Um, I was looking at an article that basically had a picture for every single year. 
And I basically tried to see, like, when they started getting, like, really skinny. And it was somewhere around, like, 2007 or 2011. Uh, but they really be, started becoming, like, skinnier and skinnier each year. And, like, their faces started to look sunken in. And then at a point, while they still both kept getting skinnier, Mary-Kate specifically began to change drastically. First of all, she dyed her hair brown while her sister stayed with their trademark blonde hair at one point. Mm -hmm. But Mary-Kate, oh, I looked at a really recent photo from 2017 where Mary-Kate appears, mind you, she might be wearing a headband, but she (laughs) seems like she has elven ears. Like her ears seem like they're like poking out to the sides more than they were normally. She has severely sunken cheeks. Her lips seem like they're permanently Cursed, and she has the most tired eyes I've ever seen on a human, and I barely see eyelashes. Like, she looks like, oh, she looks like she's one of those people from The Dark Crystal. You know that movie? No. What? Google The Dark Crystal right now. Everybody, Google The Dark <laughs> Crystal. Mary-Kate looks like one of them, one of those Muppets with the long hair. Okay. And I'm not even trying to be mean. She actually looks like that in one of the pictures I recently saw. Um, but she denies allegations of plastic surgery all the time. Mm. Um, as of right now, um, the Olsons are still under the radar um, for anyone that isn't engaged with the fashion world. They still gain attention for their bold, bag ladyish looks. And also Mary-Kate made news for marrying a quite old French banker called Olivier Sarkozy. Let me see what, how old he is. Oh, I don't know. It's not that big of a deal. He's 48 and she's 32. I thought it was a bigger age difference. Everyone was freaking out. I guess because she looks so tiny. But otherwise, their notoriety all comes from runway shows and fashion awards. They're actually pretty successful in the fashion world. However, um, there still continue to be a lot of rumors surrounding them. Recently, people still are convinced that they have a secret language. There is a video going around where people are clapping for them for some achievement after their uh, runway show. And then Mary-Kate, like, looks at Ashley and, like, squeezes her hand two times and, like, just goes next to her really quickly and kind of, like, presses against her. And then they suddenly exit the room. In my understanding, it's just like they probably beforehand went, like, when you want to leave, squeeze my hands. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I understood it. But everyone's like, oh, did you see the way they did that? They have a secret twin language. Right. Well, they live in this terrible world where, like, yeah, you do one goofy thing and everybody's like, oh, that must mean something. Yeah. So, like, there's a whole bunch of articles of people, like, really dissecting that video. So a lot of people, uh, there's a dermatologist that I guess was in an, interviewed in an article about why their faces look so weird. And he said that, no, he doesn't think it's plastic surgery. It's probably all the smoking they do because they're known for smoking so much which is kind of absurd because this is smoking like no longer in vogue like at all like people are all trying to like quit smoking so like they just like revel in their smoking <coughs> and this is a rumor that is all over the place and i think might not actually be a rumor but it sounds so absurd that i don't want it to be real that it was reported that mary kate had literal bowls of cigarettes at her wedding, like around the venue. Literal bowls filled with cigarettes. That's weird. <laughs> okay. Um, Again, for somebody so tiny. 
I feel like that would have like a dramatic physical, a dramatic effect on your physical appearance. So, I guess so. Yeah, you may have found the answers. There's also to go along with that. There's also the theory that they're like rampant drug addicts. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe. And there's also a rumor that a lot of people have been saying, but she denies uh, that Ashley has a very severe case of Lyme's disease that she's battling, and that. Um, that like contributes to her weight loss and her her like changes, but Mary Kate doesn't have Lyme's disease also. So while maybe Ashley does, that has nothing to do with her transformation. So basically, I was hoping to un- unlock deep dark secrets, but all it is is child stars that grew up, I guess, became shamed by their flop and decided to delve into the world of fashion, but. I think they clearly have eating disorders and smoke too much. And that's that's where I think it brought them. I guess the only thing that's special about that is that they're, they were famous as kids. Cause, so what do you think about the Olsen twins? Like, do, do I like Do you think like they should them? get back into entertainment, something like that? Oh, I they wish. Should... I mean, they try to get them to, um, to be in the new Fuller house. And they were just like, no. And whoever, John Stamos is often asked about it. And he says something that's so simple, but it it's like telling. He's like, yeah, we, we talked, they, they were in different points in their life. It would have been great to have them, but what I understand, but he says it in such a way that it's like, ooh, they burned you, didn't they? Yeah, I think it, if you want to find out a little bit more about the Olsen twins, you should watch BoJack Horseman. Because it's what? definitely like BoJack was like the star of a full house type show and there was a little girl in the show and her life gets ruined afterwards and she can't get a job again. And yeah, I feel like there's a parallels there. Gosh, if they were in a movie though, I'd watch it in a minute. Yeah. I, oh, I forgot that one of them was in a, would you, would you watch it in a New York movie. minute? What? No, I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I misspoke after New York minute. They never again appeared in a movie together. Mm. One of them, I think it might have been Mary Kate, I forget, would um, have a few appearances and things by themselves. Okay. Like there was some Beast, Beauty and the Beast movie that she was like a witch. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I know that. Um, I they, think... they showed that at grad school, Marissa. What? Yeah. The whole movie? Yeah. Why? Where was I? Because somebody uh, produced it. Ugh. <laughs> and I think she also... I can't find it now, but I think she also had some cameos in... Oh, yeah. It was called Beastly. And she also, yeah, had some cameos. It was Mary-Kate. Had some cameos in a few shows. I feel like there was one that was very notable. Give me one second. Not that you need... Oh! Mary-Kate was also in The Whackness. Okay. Do you remember that movie? Barely. And, um, oh, she had a recurring role in Weeds. So, okay. Who has she, it, right? Word. She was, uh, she was in films until 2011. Huh. What do you know? Nice. So, anyway. <clears throat> from there, Pete, where, oh, and also, every, this was reported, but in case anyone forgot, Heath Ledger died in their apartment. Ah. Uh. But no one ever really focused on that, which I'm like, why not? Was, what was he, like, he maybe dating there? one of them? or? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, 
I'm not saying they killed him, but I'm saying, like, what was he doing with them? Was he having an affair with one of them? Was he dating one of them? Like, what what was happening? But apparently Mary-Kate was a close friend, but I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. Anyway, so that's you're, really all I got. You're trying to reveal what happened to Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. I am here to talk about somebody else who already did that digging. Okay. <laughs> about Brendan Fraser. Because GQ released released an article, I believe the 22nd, maybe, or the 27th, I don't know, the end of February. GQ posted this profile piece that's by a guy named Zach Barron, and it's called Whatever Happened to Brendan Fraser. A little bit of backstory, Marissa, how do you feel about Brendan Fraser? I hadn't looked him up until literally the other day, and before that I just saw him as his little pretty boy self and figured, I don't know, that... He was aging and wasn't finding roles the way Chris O'Donnell like vanished. But I didn't think like anything. Chris O'Donnell weird. didn't vanish. He did for a while. He's a working actor. I know, but he vanished for a while from the public eye. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just thought Brendan Fraser was probably doing something small. I don't know. But I looked him up, uh, and he aged way more and worse than I thought. I thought he was still a real pretty boy, but no. I can explain why if you'd like. Okay, please do. Um. So I'm here to talk about, by the way, this article about Brendan Fraser. You know how uh, sometimes you like formulate an opinion about something and then you go out and you try to find people to back you up? Yeah. I can't find anybody that's backing me up on this. Okay. I scrolled through pages and pages and pages of tweets and everybody is in one side of the camp, which is, thank God people are talking about Brendan Fraser again. <laughs> now... I personally... Oh, are you going to say that you wish they weren't? No, no, no. I'm not saying I wish they weren't talking about Brendan Fraser. I, from growing up and everything, can rattle off some Brendan Fraser movies you might remember, Marissa. Um, the Mummy, obviously. Uh, right. George, three. George I think of, three mummies. George of the Jungle. Right. He was in Airheads with Adam Sandler. Monkey Bone? Was he in that? He was in Monkey Bone. You. Uh, I don't remember. Me horrible waste of movie trivia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Beyond that, I so, don't know. Like, he was an Encino man. Um, like, I just... I just... He didn't do anything for me when I was growing up. But so many people are like, Oh my God, remember Brendan Fraser? Because he was so cute. And people don't like to I see, didn't even like, see sex him, symbols go away. I didn't even see him as, like, cute. Like, I just you, didn't You get don't it. know what cute is. <laughs> uh, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. Yep. Clearly. So, I didn't... I didn't understand the appeal of Brendan Fraser. So when I read this, and by the way, I don't think that Brendan Fraser disappeared, just like you said. Maybe he just doesn't want to be acting right now. Yeah. Maybe he's found other things in life. I really would not be surprised if Brendan Fraser was like, well, I did all those movies in my 20s. I'm rich. Let me just kick back and chill for the rest of my life. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) I guess, too, in roles like Encino Man and George of the Jungle... And the one where he's a Mountie. Like, oh, what's that? I know. I can't remember. It's in the article somewhere. I'll tell you when, we, when I find it. Was he but, in Rocky um, and Bullwinkle? I'm sorry. Maybe. Okay. But like in all those types of things, I was like, he doesn't strike me as a serious actor. Like, I'm sure he wants to be. He strikes me as a guy who, like you said, looked good at the at the time, had a lot of great opportunities come his way, and cashed in. While he could, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like you said, he, they just weren't there anymore, so he, he wasn't doing anything. 
I wasn't worried about Brendan Fraser. I guess that's what I mean. I wasn't like, oh my god, is Brendan Fraser okay? And well, evidently, nobody else, in, nobody else in the world was either, because nobody cared about it until GQ wrote an article about him. But the article starts with the following line. Marissa, you learned about journalistic writing, right? Yeah. What do you call the first line of the article? Is that the lead? The lead. And what's the lead supposed to do? Isn't that supposed to, like, catch you or draw it's you in or something? Yeah, hook the reader and yeah. draw them into the story. Brendan Fraser wants me to meet his horse. Quote, I got this horse because it's a big horse, he says. Okay. Already, I'm like, well, Brendan Fraser seems like exactly who I thought he was. He's a guy who yeah. buys a horse because it's a big horse. What? So, so the article, like, here's the thing. I feel like this article is not delicate and it's not terribly complimentary. But I don't know, and it's a really long article. I printed it so that I could highlight it and everything, take notes, and it's ten pages long. So, like, with pictures, I should say. Do you think um, it's purposely not complimentary, or is Brendan? That's the thing I can't read on. And if it was, if it was purposely, if it was trying to sort of poke fun at him a little bit, I feel like more people on Twitter would have been like, "That's not fair," or like, "This was a really great." It had really great content, but I don't like the way it was written. It reminded me immediately of this article from January 28, 2014 in Esquire, A Normal Day in the Unusual Life of Michael Keaton. And the whole oh. first half of the article is all of the different instructions that the that the uh, reporter was given from Michael that's Keaton. That's awesome. I love it. Oh, my and God. That's so good. It says um, just different things like I'll, I'll skip to uh, more of a summary one. Uh, Tom, as you might have already heard from Michael Keaton, he has a list of preferred individuals whom he would like very much if you would contact regarding the profile. The list is below. If you have any trouble with reps, please advise that Michael personally asked for them. If they call me, I will support the effort. In addition, he has asked if you would read his ESPN.com blogs about the Pittsburgh Pirates. Also, he wants you to read the entire read his profile in Grantland. He also wants you to listen to the Mark Marin podcast and read the piece he wrote in, Ash, in a stream. I've That's included gross. the note about the book here. Again, I'm sure he's told you all of this, but I thought it might be helpful. Helpful. Then there's a list of people. There's like a list of movies he's supposed to watch. And the thing is, Michael Keaton is telling you to do all these things, probably so that when you sit down with him, you don't ask him the same damn questions everybody else has asked him over the years. Like, whatever happened to you, for example. Because this was yeah. right after Birdman, but right before he won the uh, Oscar. Um, yeah. And so... Okay. Yeah, like, I, I don't know, but it's it's such a unique and interesting article, and it stays with me, and I just, it's it's easily one of my favorite pieces of writing. <laughs> the, okay. Um, the Michael Keaton interview, not the Brendan Fraser one. So this guy hangs out with Brendan Fraser for a little while. Um, he says, he's compulsively honest. His mind is like a maze. You wander in and then emerge hours or days later, disoriented. But appreciative, something so unpredictable can still exist in this world. In a piece that's trying to humanize Brendan Fraser, you're already talking about him like he's some sort of like weird Rubik's Cube that you're trying to figure out. So yeah. we talk about how he was in some dramatic roles and things like that. Um, and so he was in George of the Jungle. He was in The Mummy. He was in a bunch of different like action-type movies. And apparently that just beat the hell out of his body. And so... He needed to get a few surgeries over the years um, oh. for his back. Yeah, he had to get like knee replacements, that. all those kinds of things. And um, and yeah, he apparently, if I'm guessing right, which you know I know I read the article a few times, but 
I think it was he was in and out of hospitals for seven or eight years. And that was right before he returned to acting not too long wow, ago. Wow, that's really upsetting. Um, it's that's sad. Here, here's another thing that seems condescending. And though his run as a leading man in studio films lasted to the end of this past decade, he's been missing. It took him turning up in a support in a supporting part in the third season of a premium cable show, Showtime's The Affair, for many of us to even realize that he'd been gone. So now we're talking about a friend who you didn't even remember you haven't talked to in years. And it just seems really unfortunate, the, the Aww, characterization. Poor guy. Um, he also talks about kind of things that you and I would be mortified if it ended up in the interview, like this. He disappears for a moment, and then suddenly the sound of synthesizers come from the speakers overhead, followed oh. by a Pandora ad. I thought this would be chill, he oh. says when he returns. I ask what station he's chosen for us. Chill, Fraser says. He doesn't remember the name. Chillax, maybe? Ugh. Oh. Like, if you and I said that in a moment and it landed in an interview, I would be mortified. Oh, like, how that. dare you quote me with the word chillax? Oh. But they also he also Poor describes baby. the Brendan Fraser that you love. That's that was the, the other overarching theme coming out of the Twitter things. People are like, I am, like I was moved to tears reading this Brendan Fraser piece, and that's the in thing. what would way? You, in what, would you be what... moved to tears of sadness for this man if it was handled indelicately, like I feel it was? He had a unique quality of a man beholding the world for the first time, and when directors. Be- and directors began casting him as exactly that. For much of the 1990s, Frazier spent a lot of time emerging wide-eyed from bomb shelters, blast from the past, or, or Canada, Dudley uh-huh. Do Right, or the ah, rainforest. That's what I was of. Okay. Yes, or the rainforest in George of the Jungle. But he also took on more serious roles. Um, so yeah, they see him as this sort of wide-eyed guy. In George of the Jungle, he wore a loincloth for most of the movie. His muscles had muscles. Quote, I look at myself then, and I just see a walking stake. <clears throat> okay. This is the part that I disagreed with. Fraser was gentle and eager and apparently guileless. And we as a country decided that was something we wanted as frequently as he would provide it. And so he spent some of the best years of his life doing his best to do just that. Which do you disagree with? What part? That America wanted more Brendan Fraser. Oh, everybody loves Brendan Fraser. (laughs) This is going to really probably be a little saccharine for you, Fraser warns. But I felt like the horse from Animal Farm, whose job it was to work and work and work. Orwell wrote a character who was, I think, the proletariat. He worked for the good of the whole. He didn't ask questions. He didn't make trouble until it killed him. I don't know if I've been sent to the glue factory, but I felt like I had to rebuild shit that I've built that got knocked down and do it again for the good of everyone, whether it hurts you or not. So now he's offering up the roles that he acted in as a gift to the country for the greater good. That's um, a little much. I've heard a lot of actors and actresses doing this lately, and it's yeah. really upsetting. I guess so. I mean, you got to have purpose, if that's the purpose that he has. Uh, again, I don't. I I want to make it clear, by the way. I don't think I have, but I don't hate Brendan Fraser. I just don't love you Brendan don't Fraser. Like him. I don't care about him. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Brendan Fraser is going to be in this new FX series called Trust, which is about um, 
You know how they made that Ridley Scott movie about the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III with uh, Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams? It was at the end no. of last year. Well, they're making a TV show about the same exact story. Uh, Danny Boyle, accomplished producer, director, storyteller Danny Boyle, is an executive producer of the series. He cast Fraser after seeing the affair in which Fraser was a prison guard who seemed to harbor some dark secrets. When you say the affair, I continue to envision the slap, by the way. Good for you. <laughs> Quote, it's one of these delicious moments where you see someone you're so familiar with who is so changed by time and experience. You just kind of clock that, and it's so sad and wonderful because we all yeah. share the same timeline. That's what Danny Boyle said about seeing Brendan Fraser old and withered in this the affair. This is really dramatic. <laughs> Excessively so. So, like, he goes I'm on... looking at him now and he looks old, but it's not like... Like, right. he's destroyed. He has the same face, if you ask me. Yeah, he just looks bloated. So then they go on to talk about how he's in this show, The Affair, and since he's at, he's returned to acting, uh, AOL, AOL's YouTube which, by the way, why is AOL producing content at all? AOL's <laughs> YouTube channel is his first interview in a long time. So... I didn't watch the video, but the writer of the article says it's an uncomfortable watch. Fraser seems morose and sad. For much of it, uh -oh. he speaks in a near whisper. The video went viral, and they apparent there was apparently a meme that was called like "Sad Brendan Fraser" or something like that. Well, what, Ugh, I hate when people make memes of that stuff. What people so didn't unhappy. know who perpetuated that meme is that his mom died like right before the interview not right not like hours before so but like, sad. and he was sad and he had a right to be sad and he also you know was sort of returning to um the way that he puts it in the article he's sort of returning to this publicity thing that he hasn't done in a long time and the nature of it has changed you used to sit down with an interviewer and speak to that interviewer now you sit down with an interviewer in front of a studio audience even though it's yeah. just a YouTube channel. And, like, you have all these people watching you and reacting, and he just wasn't prepared for something like that. So um, he starts to talk about the death of his mom and the surgeries that he went through. Uh, in Fraser, the interview? Oh. In, yeah, in the article. Fraser pauses, and his eyes seem to well up. And for the first time in this litany of surgeries and loss, he seems like he might not want to continue. I ask if he needs a break. I'm okay, he says. I think I just need to let some arrows fly. He excuses himself as I ponder what this means. A few oh, minutes goes. He's gonna start doing archery. A few minutes go by. When he returns, it's with a leather quiver full of arrows strapped to his back. He steps out onto his porch. Outside, he lofts a bow, knocks an arrow down below on his lawn, oh. maybe 75 yards away, is an archery target. He releases the arrow straight into the target center, bullseye. Then he knocks a second arrow and does it again. Finally, what? he exhales. He exhales. I feel a lot better now, he says. He hands me the bow. Okay, now you try. <laughs> so there's crazy shit that happens in the interview. Yeah, well. <laughs> that sounds silly. I don't think I like the interviewer. I there's don't think also, I like the GQ guy. I don't think I like him either. And when I checked his, his at least his, and G, is, you might know this more than I do, but is GQ is a men's magazine, right? Yeah. Like all the profiles this guy has done for GQ anyway, have all been men. They've all been white men, just, you know, yeah. your standard bullshit fare. And so maybe that's kind of just what he wanted to go into, and maybe Brendan Fraser's a little too deep for the guy. But he also quotes, like, he has just these passive-aggressive, shitty-sounding quotes where I think that the people are nice, but he 
like might not take the best quote that they had. Uh, one of the show's producer, Tim Bricknell, says quietly to me that he's enjoyed Frasier over the past several months. Quote, it's so cool to see leading men become great character actors later in their career. And like, it just, I don't know, it sort of undercuts him a little bit, I think. Like, he's not a leading man anymore. Anyway, in the next section of the article, which, I know, why am I talking about an article? But It's okay. <laughs> in the next section of the article, he talks about a harassment situation uh, in which he was at an event for the Holly- with the Hollywood Foreign Press, and um, a guy named Philip Burke, former president of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, pinched Fraser's ass in jest, according to Burke. But Fraser says what Burke did next was more than a pinch. His left hand reaches around, grabs my ass cheek, and one of his fingers touches me in the taint, and he starts Ew! moving it around. Fraser says in that moment he was overcome with panic and fear. And he goes on to explain how he felt in that situation, how he felt like he couldn't come out and talk to people, and how, you know, that wasn't sort of... He doesn't explicitly say this, but you can sort of understand where he's coming from. Like, that's not... Women didn't want to talk about it when this happened, and so certainly he as a man didn't want to... He says, um, I didn't want to contend with with how that made me feel or it becoming part of my narrative, which I thought was kind of a shitty quote in its own right, because, like... It's just unfortunate that we have to have celebrities have a narrative. They can't just be themselves. But I yeah. guess that's a, a truth that we can't really get around. Yeah. Um, so the article focuses on that a little bit, and that was sort of the hot issue that came out of the article that, that people started talking about. And I think that's probably what made people a little sad. Yeah. The last time I saw Brendan Fraser in a restaurant in Soho, he told me a story so digressive and confusing that I hesitate to try to recreate it here but it's stuck with me in ways that I can't quite articulate. And with the benefit of what I know now, I think maybe I can finally understand what he was trying to say. So then he starts to tell us a story about how he was um, in Looney Tunes back in action. You remember that? Did you watch that? Mm, Kind of. Remember it. I didn't watch it, no. In Looney Tunes back in action, he plays Brendan Fraser's stuntman. Okay. He doesn't play Brendan Fraser, but Brendan Fraser does make an appearance, and so there's like a scene where there's two Brendan Frasers on screen. Okay. Uh, he starts the story by mentioning that, and then he goes into talking about how he was uh, floated as a potential new Superman when they made the Superman movie oh my a few years ago. Gosh, wow. Since the studio was interested in Frasier, and Frasier was interested in the script, Ratner, Brett Ratner, who directed, or who was supposed to direct Superman but didn't end, end up doing it, uh, asked Fraser to come by his house one morning to talk about the role. So right now I'm like, oh man, are we going to go into another situation? Because Brett Ratner is also a person who was accused, I think, with ample uh, credibility of, of someone who is using his power for bad. Anyway, it goes in that he that uh, uh, Brett Ratner in his house has a photo booth and he sits Brendan Fraser in it and they try to take a picture, but it doesn't work. And then they take another one and it does work. And that Brendan Fraser is sort of just going through all the motions, even though he doesn't know what's going on, um, because he wants to play Superman. And then he, the guy doesn't direct the film, and they give it to a, a pretty much a younger guy and, and everything like that. And he says his heart's broken uh, because he doesn't get the role. Um, now I put a star next to this one because here's the thing. Just like when we talk about hipsters and things like that, right? Like... Nobody is one of these things through and through, and I can't say that I all the way love or all the way hate Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser is a human being, and this is where I empathize with him the most. At the end. 
I bought into the pressure that comes with the hopes and aims that come with a professional life that's being molded and shaped and guided and managed. That requires what they call thick skin, or just ignoring it, putting your head in the sand, or gnashing your teeth and putting on your public face, or just not even needing the public, ignoring, staying home, damn it. You know, not because I'm aloof or anything, but because I just felt I couldn't be a part of it. I didn't feel like I belonged. And that is almost an explanation of why he disappears, I think, from, I from his mouth. Okay. Then <laughs> he talks about how one day in his – this the way he explains it in this article, the book itself ends up in his house. It's not that the book ends up on his doorstep. The book ends up in his house. So Brett Ratner takes all these pictures that he's taken in this photo booth and makes a photo book out of it. And somehow the book ends up unpackaged in <laughs> – Brendan Fraser's house and he opens the book and there are celebrities like Michael Jackson, Chelsea Clinton, Harvey Keitel, Britney Spears, Sean Combs, Shaquille O'Neal, Val Kilmer, Jay-Z, tons of huge stars and he finds himself in the book as well and he thinks to himself, maybe I'm a big ass star. Okay. And that's where it ends. Oh, that's kind of sad but kind of sweet. Yeah. So... Put Brad and Frazier in a movie. Why not? Put the Olsen twins in a movie, too. Everybody Ooh, put them a in chance. a movie together. Why not? If it's a comedy, Maybe. I could see that working out. Yeah. Love interest. Uh, you think the Olsons could do comedy anymore? I'm sorry. Wait. Do you think the Olsons ever did comedy? Yes. Shut up. <laughs> they were great in their teen years. I love them. <laughs> in light comedy. In light, like, ABC Family type comedies. Like, Hallmark comedy. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I wanted people to know about this article if you didn't know about it already. But also, like, I don't know. I was really, like, for a guy that wasn't even crazy about Brendan Fraser when I started the article, I was still offended while I was reading the article. And I thought that yeah. was really messed up. And also, I think that, he's not that old. His career, like, he can go in so many different directions. Yeah. Maybe he'll become svelte again and become the new George Clooney who gained prominence as he aged. And also, like, even if he did have great roles, he probably wouldn't have been able to be so great at them because he was in and out of the hospital with different surgeries yeah. and recoveries and everything like that. Yeah. So leave Brendan Fraser alone. Let I him agree. be a human being in the world. <laughs> I agree. You should tell GQ that. Maybe I'll comment on the article. Okay. Plugs. You got anything okay. to plug, Marissa? Or any questions um, or anything? No. Just follow me on Instagram at Riss Vandal or at Courtship of Veneer. That's it. I'm going to plug this Michael Keaton interview because, man, it's wonderful. Well, it's I don't know. As, Maybe you hate him. It's not as long as the uh, the Brendan Fraser one either. But that's the, from the will February. Will it make me hate him? Will it make you hate him? Uh, no. He just seems so freaking weird. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, guys. But I started playing a video. Sorry if you heard that. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so you can call us at 570-763-9231. You can text us at the same number. That's 570-POD-WAD-1. And uh, leave us some, some reviews all over the place. We also got a request to be added to iHeartRadio or TuneIn. And so we're working on getting added to those. So that way you can tell your Amazon Alexa play i want i, I want to listen to y'all heard on something that? uh james 
uh, because he doesn't have a Google Home. He's got an Alexa, and Alexa doesn't okay. like Google products. So okay. Echo, Amazon. Ah, he's got an Amazon. He's yeah. got an Amazon forest like right in his head. <laughs> Woo! All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys, and have a good yes. weekend. Bye. 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 Bye.